This is Seven Sports. Hello and welcome to episode five of In the Spotlight with me, Ryan Butler, here on Seven Sport. And episode five is a, a big one, really. Um, it's one of the men who have been most asked for since we started the the series. It is former Gloucester City manager Dave Mayhew, formerly known as Boris to fans and local people who who know him. It was great for me to catch up with him um, when I first started getting involved covering local football. I was interviewing him every week, so you know the chemistry we had. You'll be able to hear it. <laughs> you don't lose it. Let's put it that way. Um, so I caught up with Dave Mayhew to discuss his career. So, what was your your first memory of, of football growing up? Um, my first memory was my dad um, took me to watch. Tottenham Hotspur v Aston Villa. Um, it was in, I think, 1976, and uh, it was a cracking game. Tottenham won 5-2, um, and, you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. And then the year later, we went, or later on that season, we went to watch Tottenham again, and it was against Leeds, who I supported. Um, and you've got two, two different sides of a game. That one was nil-nil, right boring game. So, uh, so, yeah, so that was my first taste of football. And I used to play for a club called um, Crawley Raiders. And, um, you know, that's that's who I played for on a Saturday. And we, we, were, we were the best local team around. And, um, yeah, you know, that that's where it all started, really. And, and growing up, obviously, in in obviously the, the East um, compared to, to where we are now, you know, what was opportunity like as a, a young player coming through? Well, it, it was all different. There weren't like, like Rosie said the other day. There was there, well, it was the days before academies, so scouts, as they're as they're still called, used to come to your your games, and the county games were really important as well. And um, going back when I played for Crawley Raiders, one of the players I played with was Bobby Gould's son, Jonathan, who was a um, who was a centre midfielder in those days, and. Um, you know, I ended up playing for the county and doing doing quite well in a couple of uh, sort of uh, national games, and I ended up getting a trial for Leeds, who I supported as a kid. So, what was that like? Obviously, being a Leeds fan and, and getting that opportunity. I mean, was it well, sort of a dream come true? Yeah, it was. I, I, I used to go, I was at a boarding school and I used to phone my mum and I got a message to phone my mum. This is the day before mobile, mobile phones and what have you. And mum said, you never guess who's watched you. We played at Molyneux and won one nil and I scored a goal. And she said, you never guess who wants you to go on trial. Um, cause they've been speaking to my mum and, um, and it was Leeds. So I went up on trial there and, um, Eddie Gray was the manager. Wow. And I trained. Trained, tra- it was a, it was a half term. I trained all week, and you know there was Peter Lorimer, Dave Harvey, Kenny Burns was there. Uh, it was that sort of era. Scott Sellers, Tommy Wright. But the first team didn't have a game that weekend, so I got to play with some, some like a fantastic team. There was Phil Hughes was in goal, and he took over from Pat Jennings um, when when he retired for Northern Ireland. Dennis Irwin was right back. Uh, Terry Phelan was left back. A guy called Peter Swan, who had a lower league career, I got on really well with, was centre half with another guy called Jack Ross. Scott Sellers was left wing. Tommy Wright was right wing, a little Scottish lad. Um, John Sheridan was in midfield. Um, sorry, Peter Swan played up front with me. And Neil Aspin, who was a Halifax manager, who, who the Gloucester fans will remember, yeah. played, we played against them a few few times. Uh, he was centre-half that day. 
and we played Sunderland and beat beaten three nil. Didn't didn't score, but but had a good game. And I got off the contract after that. So yeah, but it, it was one of those. I was playing with you know I, I did have a good game, but some of the players you were playing with, you know, you'd make runs and they saw the they probably saw the pass before you did. Mm. And um, you know, there's a few names in that team, wasn't there? So when you obviously got the the chance at Leeds, did you go up? on your own or did the family go with you how did it work back then uh basically you, you um I, I didn't go I, I went up in the half terms to up to the end of the season because i was leaving school that year but didn't really know where i was going to be um and uh that was all agreed and I, I stayed in a digs in a place called morley which is just the other side of ellen road so it's only a couple of miles away um, didn't really get on with the pair, the pair, the couple there, uh, and ended up living in Beeston. And I was in a, a, a digs with Neil Aspin, who was a pro, and Mark Gavin. So that was a good experience. But I was basically on my own. So, you know, I've basically lived away from home since I was sixteen. Was that and, was um, that tough at that age? Yeah, it was because I didn't get the greatest of starts, and and I didn't I didn't start off very well. Um, and, you know, but they, they were, you know, Keith Mincher, the youth manager, sort of, it, it was tough. And, it, and he sort of put an arm around me, you, you know, on time. And, it, you know, I ended up having quite a good season. I scored 29 goals in 35 games. But I only got a year year as a, a YTS, as a youth development scheme in those days, youth training scheme. And um, uh, I got released at the end of that year. Um, but, but you know, a couple of the... Uh, the, the team went on tour at the end of the season and Bristol Rovers are on it. And Bobby Gould asked Tony Thorthrop, who was an ex-Bristol City manager, but he was a youth guy at Rovers uh, at, at Leeds at the time. He said, we had a couple of players who were really unlucky to get released. He said, I was one. Um, and the other one was John Scales, who went on to play for Liverpool, Wimbledon and England. Yeah. Uh, and we both went down, we both went down to Rovers. Bobby Gould, if you remember, I said at the start... Mm-hmm remembered my name and he gave me his contract on 65 quid a week because Reading were going to have me in on trial but Ian Branford was only going to give me a trial because he didn't know who I was um, bear in mind all the other Reading people knew me from the county team that I was playing East Berkshire from living in Sandhurst and um, and John Scales was given a three month contract um, and, and that's basically how I ended up down in Bristol can't so believe can't believe you nearly would have gone to Reading. Yeah, know, hometown. Yeah, well, that was my home. That that was basically my home near my hometown. But Branford, there was a guy called Stuart Henderson who's, who's still around there, I think. But he uh, he basically was quite keen to get me in. But but Gawley offered me a, a year as a as a pro, and I was only seventeen because my birthday's not till October. And that's basically how I moved down here. It, it was quite good, really, because you know it was only an hour and a half door to door from my mum's house where she still lives. And um, and Bristol, and that's that's basically how I ended up down in Bristol. I've been there ever since. And and when you first got to to the Rovers, um, you know, did you have to adapt, or had you not had enough experience where you know you were still eager, ready to learn, and, and ready to sort of get at it? Well, I actually, because I, I was going into the, because I was a pro, I wasn't obviously, a, a, there wasn't a 23s, but there was a reserves, but there, I wasn't a 23s, but I was going to be part of the first team. And because I'd come from Leeds, I thought I was going to be better than the, the Rovers players. 
I had a, not not an arrogance, but I just thought that I sort of assumed that would be the case. But I soon I met Phil Baker and got put, put through the stands in training, and uh, who's the Larkle manager now, and uh, suddenly realised this is going to be a lot tougher than I thought. And I ended up, I made my debut before, just before my 18th birthday as a sub down at Bournemouth. Harry Redknapp was manager. We got, we, I came on um, when we were six one down. That was in the days of Paul Randall and what a great, Steets. what a great Steets. opportunity for you to showcase yourself six one down. Yeah, six one down. Yeah, so go on, change the game and all that <laughs> nonsense. But uh, that was in the days for the Rovers fans of Paul Randall and Steve White, and they didn't have a particularly good team. Um, but I was playing with um, uh, the ex Cheltenham managers. Was he uh, Lindsay Parsons? Yeah. He, and he was quite tough on me because he, like the local lads, wasn't that keen on me. But he had to play me because I ended up scoring about 42 goals that season in the reserve and um, youth team. I played with a lad called, I played up front with a lad called Martin Boyle, who was a good player. Um, but he, he just didn't have that oomph to want to be a professional footballer. But he was he was a good player. And I think he played for Cheltenham back in the day. He might have even played for Gloucester. But um, yeah, Martin Boyle, his, his name was. But um, yeah, and... and you know that, and the, the following season, I started up front with um, Trevor Morgan, who played for Rovers and City, and and that was sort of the, the start of it. Um, but when Bobby Gould left for Wimbledon at the end of that season, um, sort of left in the lurch a little bit, and I didn't get in. Jerry Francis came in, had his own ideas. Uh, he put Gary Penrice up front, who was probably along with Marcus Stewart, the best player I played with at Bristol Rovers. And um, he, he brought in Devon White from yeah. Lincoln. And those two formed a partnership. And I basically didn't get in, but they didn't get in for a while. But then I went out on loan to Trowbridge, um, played with players like uh, Steve Owens, the late Steve Tallboys, um, Mike Kilgore, um, Jerry Gill was playing in, in that team, like a young 17-year-old. Uh, the Bath manager at the moment, played for Cheltenham, I think. And um, he got me confidence back. And the, the basically, a few of the senior players, Vaughan Jones, captain, Jeff Twentyman, who's on the radio, of course, and Holloway, went in and, set, and they all sort of went in and said, you want to give him a go? So he did. And I made my debut for Jerry against Sunderland. And we beat him 4-0, managed to get a goal. And then from there, you know, I kept my place in the team the end of the season got a new contract when basically I wasn't going to get one and I would have been in limbo then and uh, yeah you know had a, had, a, had a decent career to be fair at Rovers for the, and, and I was I was there nine years in the end Can you remember much of the, the first goal? Can you talk us through it? Uh, I can remember uh, Hesford was in goal Bob Hes- it's I think it was Ian Hesford who was Bob Hesford the rugby player uh, who played in Bristol thing. Um, his brother amazing I think Gary Penrose put me through it was a bouncing ball I hit it tried to go over the, uh, the goal he, he sort of spread he came back to me and I sort of bobbled and, and, and then went in and uh, I think that was the third of the, the four goals we got Ben Smith was their manager and the Sun were obviously the best team in that league and uh it was a good win and we went on a bit of a run after that so obviously that was great 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 for me and, and, and the team and uh, we ended up nearly getting in the playoffs um, but you know we were always sort of just outside it and then the following year we did get in the playoffs and lost to Port Vale 
um, over two legs as it was back in those days. Mm-hmm. And then, he, uh, and that was probably a blessing in disguise looking back because the year after we won, we won the league and um, got promoted as champions with Bristol City second. So that was good. What was it like for for the city at the time? Obviously, with, with Rovers finishing top and then City second as well. Well, well, they were top. You, you know, they they were top basically all season. They had Bob Taylor, um, Robbie Turner, they had Mark Gavin, who I was in Dicks with at Leeds. I mentioned earlier. Uh, Rob Newman was the manager. Andy Llewellyn. They had, uh, I think it was John Bailey, the old Everton player at left back, and David Rennie. They had some good players, um, but we just had that Rovers spirit and. You know, when it came down, it came down to it. The game was cancelled from earlier in the season because the, the stand got burnt down at Twerton where we were playing. And we ended up playing them second last game of the season. I think it was May the 2nd and we and we, we beat them 3-0 at Twerton. There was only 10,000 there. Um, but you could have, you would have had, if it was a, in Bristol and the stadium could have had it, you would have had 50 of that, 50 plus thousand there. So that's every, everyone was talking about it. And basically City only needed a draw to get promoted. We needed to win to get promoted, which we, we did on the night. And then we would have had the chance to have won the league, which we did on the Saturday at Blackpool. And I think Rovers took on a bank holiday weekend, seven and a half thousand fans to Blackpool. Oof. So that was a that was a brilliant day, and um, we, we won the game three 0 And uh, yeah, that was a brilliant coach journey back. And I always remember that coach journey because I knew when we played Farnborough for Gloucester all those years later that I was going. And I said to me to my wife, I said, "If we win, going back on the coach because you don't get many days like that." And uh, yeah, that was a brilliant, brilliant day. And that's what Jerry Francis did. He came. His dad used to drive him around, or drive with him, and come to the games. He drove from Blackpool. He drove. He came back on the coach from Blackpool to Bristol because his dad said, "Get on that coach." And then his dad picked him up in Bristol and took him back to took him back to home, which he, he actually lived uh, the other side in in Bagshot, which he still does, which is near my mum's house, mum and dad's house in Sandhurst. So, so obviously, after you know, looking at looking at Wikipedia, as I said earlier on, you know, over two hundred appearances for for Bristol Rovers, um, stints at the likes of Exeter, Walsall, and, and Northampton. Um, how did the the move to to Gloucester City come about in the end? Okay, well, well basically, I was I'd sort of come to the end of my career, which of playing, which was about thirty eight, and Tim Harris had taken over. And he kept him up late on in the season with Chris Smith. And um, this was a couple of years after, after uh, that, and and um, the, when I retired. And basically, Chris Smith couldn't do it because of work commitments. And Tim said, well, who's the best person to have? And Chris Smith suggested, well, why don't you give Boris a call? Um, I think I'd done it with him at um, Western by then. And um, so I met Tim down at Almondsbury because uh, Gloucester under-18s and they had Jack Twyman and Noxy in the team who were the standout players back then for anyone who knows them uh, were playing Cabri Heath down at Almondsbury on the M5 interchange M4, M4 M5 interchange and uh, we had a chat uh, seemed to get on and uh, and he, he offered me the assistant manager's job so sort of told me what my roles would be and, and that's basically how the link came with Gloucester in I think 2006, I think it was. And had you, did you know much about the the club at the time? Obviously, being local to to Bristol for for so long, were you familiar with the club? 
No, all I, could, I, I had a, I, I played there because I knew a couple of the players there. You Steve Owens and, and Steve Tallboys, who were from Bristol. Um, Paul Milson, who played, who played for, for Gloucester, I think he was a groundsman. And they had a few great John Freeguard, of course. And um, I always remember that you, when you went to the ground at, in those days at Meadow Park, you had to go across the Canal Bridge coming from Bristol because there wasn't the main ring, the new ring road, which is obviously there now. And um, I'd only played a couple of pre-season games, so knew it was a decent club. I always remember being in the clubhouse and the water was on after the game, which shows that they were obviously looking after the pitch, that type of thing. And um, that was my taste of them, but I didn't didn't really know that's the only thing. I knew they were a decent club and, and that was basically it. Did you settle into the, to the job in the, in the new club? easily and, and did it help if you did because you knew the likes of of Tim and some of the others yeah 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 it, it was fine Tim sort of you know he was the manager so it's good to learn off him you know I've been with I've been with Frank Regan as well so um Western and, and Chris Smith so you know and learned bits off them them and all the other managers who I you know had at non-league and and pro level um, Neil Musto was there but injured and I obviously knew of him and, and he was a good lad Aidy Harris was there um, players wise there was a bit of um, you know Tim had to do a lot of digging and, and, and everything and you know I got a couple of players in from, from Bristol there's I think it's Aaron Wilson and Tom Hamlin a young Tom Hamlin where I, who I played with at um, uh, Bristol Manor Farm which is where I ended my career and um yeah, you know, we, between us, we put some sort of team together. Didn't really work, um, but you know, we we set a foundation, and it it sort of went from there. Mike Fowler seemed to remember getting players in. Dare I say it? Rosie was a massive player coming in, getting a player of his ilk in. Um, Sykesy came in, who had done that. Forest Green goal scorer, Lee Smith. You know, um, was still young and raw there, and you know, done well. We got Jack Pitcher up from Bristol, um, so yeah, you know, we got, you know, we we it we, it, it wasn't going to happen overnight, but we 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 grew into a decent team. Um, and obviously, when you were were at the club, um, what did you join before the the floods had happened at Meadow Park? Then, from from the sounds of it. We, I think we had one season. What well, you had one season at Meadow Park from memory, and then the floods happened the following year. And I can remember Tim phoning me up when we ain't gonna be playing tomorrow night. Bear in mind it was in September, wasn't it? Something yeah. like that. And um, and you, you know I'd heard new about the floods that happened nine, ten years before, and um, whenever it was. And uh, so yeah, that was obviously a big challenge. But I was sort of used to that because I'd been. And for Bristol Rovers at Twerton Park. So, you know, fans were travelling. So I was sort of used to that. So it didn't really affect me. But it was obviously a nightmare for the club, as we'll probably come on to later on, because there was just no revenue coming in for the club. And, you know, if you look at what's going on in the world at the minute with COVID-19 and clubs struggling, I think it shows how fantastically well Gloucester City have done since those floods. Because they don't make any money at, at when we were playing at Cheltenham and Sirencester. We didn't really make any money there. Um, and I think it just shows how well the, the, the club has done in the background the last 10, 15 years. And obviously, um, throughout your time at, at the club and, and obviously when Tim was there as well, you know, 
it's very important to keep the fans on side with with the club. You know, how important were were the fans to to your time at Gloucester? Yeah, you know, they they were, but it was great because they you know they came and supported us, and they they would come to, and travel to Sire and Sister, um, Forest Green, of course, which was the first year. We weren't keen going to Cheltenham, but we were doing okay in the conference, so so that obviously helped. Um, but yeah, you, you, you know they were they were they were brilliant, and you know it, when we did get to those FA Cup games, it was just a shame we weren't playing in the city because we would have been getting, as Tim Tim sort of used to say, we we'd have been getting nine nine hundred to a thousand, you know, around that amount every week, with the playoffs probably getting more, and uh, that that's the big that's the big shame that, that there is a, a there you know there is a definite appetite for people to come and support the club in the city. And uh, only time will tell that in the next couple of years, I suppose. Uh, and obviously, at the in two thousand and eight, you know, Tim obviously leaves the the club. Naturally, you sort of see it in in some non-league clubs. You know, the assistant manager tends to sort of step up and 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 take the reins. Was that an easy decision for you, or no, not really? We're, t- t- the, fir- the first year, Tim had to just take a back seat. He was and he said he's going to go to the director of football, you know, without that title, um, because because of work commitments and what have you. And he said, "Was I interested in it?" And I and I and I initially sort of said no because I just didn't fancy it. Maybe confidence wise, didn't do it. Then I had another. Then there was a meeting with another manager who I get on quite well with, and I was going to be his assistant. And I came away from that meeting, bearing in mind there was a lot of hiring and firing going on and a lot of players who were in that squad who I got to know quite well, your Muzzies, your Aides, your Webbies, players like that. We were going to get all these other players in because he had a few quid. And I, at the meeting, was saying, yeah, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I got in the car on the way home. And I just thought, no, I can't do that uh, to, to the lads, and I, and I wasn't keen, not keen on that because I got quite friendly with them. And so I went back to Tim and I said, no, I'm not interested in that uh, that thing. And then Tim offered me the job and said, look, do you, you know, do you want, do you want to do it? And I, and I sort of said again, no. And then that evening, my son, the eldest one, Ollie was at Bristol Rovers and he used to play with uh, Alfie Kilgore who's one of the mm-hmm. centre-halves of Bristol Rovers now and Mike his dad played for Gloucester and quite a few uh, non-league clubs he sort of said he's words of wisdom he sort of said well he said I'm surprised you don't want to take that he said there's some good players there and um, you know you've got a nucleus of a decent squad so that sort of played on my mind that that evening um, and, and the next day or so and I phoned Tim up um, later that the next day, and I said, "Look, I, you know, I, I, I had a chat with the missus, and uh, I said I want to give it a go." And, and so he said, "Okay, then." And then, and then from there, you know, I took over, and I, I, I basically because I didn't want any rumours getting out, and, and it, looking back, it definitely played to my advantage. At the first training session, that the majority of the squad, because bear in mind you're talking pre-season and people on holidays. Um, I told the players that I was at a meeting that where someone else was possibly going to get the job. I said there was going to be a lot of hiring and firing and a lot of you weren't going to be here. But I said I wasn't prepared to do that because I sort of believe in you lot and I want us to go forward. And so, because I think we can do well. 
and hopefully that um, that stayed with them. And I was being honest with them, so they could, you know, they knew that they were going to get an honest answer from me, um, just in case anything ever came out. And uh, from that, we obviously had a good season. Mm. Didn't expect to get um, promoted, but yeah, you know, we 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 obviously done well. And what can you remember? Um, from the playoff final in terms of the day, you know, before the match, like, did you change anything in, in terms of your preparation or was it same and, and a methodical approach sort of thing? Well, I, I was thinking about this last night because I knew we were going to be chatting. I, like, we had a, we had a, we, we had a decent team. We were playing, we were playing three at the back. Um, to get, to get, to, not to get Sykesy in the team, but to get the best out of Sykesy. <laughs> And it's like we we had um, we had uh, we obviously had Kevin goal. We had uh, Muzzy was sweeping behind Mark, Mark Richards and Lee Marshall. Jack Harris, who we brought in at the start of the season just as a squad player, was wide left. Lee Smith, who was basically banging goals in left, right, and centre all season from right wing back, which he hadn't really played before because he had defensive duties to do. Mm-hmm. We then had Rosie and Webby in midfield. Bally wasn't in the team on the on the and he was unlucky not to start but I knew I had a great impact player Luke Ballinger and then we had Sykesy who was again banging banging 20 odd goals uh, in so if you got him and Lee Smith scoring that amount of goals with the full forward line of Jack Pitcher who started the season but then had picked up an injury and couldn't get back in because we had Will Morford who was getting better and better every yep. every sort of month um, and then you know, and this is where Tim came came into it quite a lot. He was great to bounce off at. He sort of said around Easter time, and I, I'd sort of been thinking it, but he sort of said, right, I think we got a chance getting Mike Simmons from Forest Green. So he he did the deal with um, the manager at Forest Green at the time, Dave Hockaday, and we got him in. And basically, he made a massive difference. We, we were a good team, but having someone like Mike Simmons, who was just a beast at that level, and, you know, he had a bit of pace at that time as well, um, he was a massive difference um, at the at the end of the end of that season. And, um, and, you know, the only decision I really had to make for the semi-final and the final were, uh, was Jack Pitcher, do I put him back in because he'd had a good season? And I always like having a bit of pace up front. Um, and they weren't the slowest, Morf and uh, Will Morford and Simo, but they didn't have Jack's electric pace. Um, but uh, the reason I chose those two, and it was always going to be Simo, was they had done well in the previous games, so that made it a little yeah. bit easier. But also, with the hard pitches, it didn't that didn't help Jack's game of you know with bouncing balls because of that. And, and Morf is technically a good player, and I knew that they were best mates out playing at Hartbury and outside the game. So it sort of made it an easier decision for me. Um, and like I, like I alluded to, Luke Ballinger was probably playing out of his skin uh, and he was unlucky not to start. Um, but I knew I had an impact player if we needed a goal at any time. And, and he understood that. And, and as it turned out in the final, um, Webby got injured after about 20 minutes. Um, so I had to j- jiggle the team around because we didn't really have a midfielder on the bench. Um, so we put Jack Harris into the middle for a bit of strength, put Luke Ballinger left wing back. Um, and, uh, and then I think, and when then we got the goal about 10 minutes after that happened, um, I think Jack Harris went up for a ball, it fell to Rosie and, uh, he stuck it away with a plomb or a deflection. I can't quite remember. (laughs) 
Now, but, you, but, you, that, but in, in, yeah. in answer to your question, I didn't really change anything. But what Webby, and this is Webby saying this, he said the one thing he did do, I, I, you know, I wasn't great for doing great sort of speeches and things like that, but I did pre-plan a, a, a speech that went on for about five or ten minutes. <laughs> and it, ba- it basically, but what first third of the first third of the season, um, Farnborough were the best team. The second set we got a bit closer to him with the amount of points we got in the 14 games, if you put it into three-thirds of the season. Um, we got closer to him. And in the third third set, uh, third part of the season, we actually got one more point than them. And I said, that could make the difference today, that one point, because you have been better than them in the last, last third of the season. And Webby said that was like a real confidence boost because everyone was expecting Farmer to win. They were a good team and they were at home and we were just Gloucester City. Like, no one was expecting us to win. And then... You know, we went out and did the business and, you know, I think we had nearly 600 supporters there, which was an unbelievable turnout for a team that didn't have a ground, basically. And what do you remember of the, the celebrations? Uh, I, rem- I, I, rem- I remember of the game, I remember obviously the goal. I remember Kev Sawyer making a Gordon, in my eyes, a Gordon Banks save, um, which I was right in line with. I thought it was in from their striker. And I think if they had equalised, you know, we had something to hold on to. We, we, you know, it would have been a tough day had they equalised yeah, there. Kev made that brilliant save. Um, and then the second half, we just played out. It was a boiling hot day like today. And we, we basically deserved to win. And I, I just couldn't see them, them scoring. And, uh, you, you know, the set, you know, I t- took Sykesy off just before the end. He wasn't happy about that. He still goes on about it now. But that was purely just, uh, I wasn't one for taking a player off in the last couple of minutes. But we were just sort of trying every trick in the book just to run the clock down and give everyone a breather because of the weather. Um, and then on the pitch, up with the celebrations, it was brilliant. I remember there was a cardboard tiger that's being thrown around and I remember saying to someone you need to keep that for when we get to the new ground you can put it behind the bar still hopefully that's in someone's garage somewhere put up uh, that was being thrown around and then one supporter come up to me I didn't know who it was and he said is that right we're going into the conference north and I went no and that was the first I heard of it about going where are we going north or south and um that was that happened on the pitch. And I didn't know anything about that because uh, that was going to be a, a question as well. Because I asked Matt Rosen in, in an earlier episode as well about you know whether you saw it as a, a positive or a, or a negative going into the north. What were your thoughts when you know it was announced that City would be going into the north? You know, I, I think I was more disappointed that we wouldn't be playing your Bath Cities and your Westerns because we know they were our local games. But I've got to say, I was in total agreement with what Rosie said. Um, it's a stronger league. Don't care what anyone says, or it was in, in back in our day. You know, you had Fleetwood with a budget of twenty six grand a week, and ours was under two and a half. Mm. And you know, you and you're playing Harrogate that were, were a big big budget team back in those days. Um, your Telfords, you know, more recently FC Manchester, Blythe Spartans are a big non-league club. So Teams like Halifax like and Stockport, of course. Halifax, who we drew with, and, and Stockport. We both got draws up at those places. And it is a, it is a stronger league, but I think that's because you've got the north. When you go up north, you know, every every junction you go past is Wigan, Blackburn, it's, it's Manchester, it's Oldham, it's Stockport. It, you, you know, it's all proper football clubs. And... Um, 
it, it was a stronger league. And of course, we had the derbies, um, which were fantastic. And we, I think we got the rub of the green. We, we won more than we lost, but definitely, against Worcester. And they were fantastic games at Christmas that um, everyone looked forward to. And, um, yeah, you, you know, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it because I was, you know, players back in the day, Saturday is your football day. And it doesn't matter whether you get up at six, seven or eight o'clock. Um, that's what you do. And what, what Rosie didn't say, we had a decent card score as well. So I like playing cards. So I used to play with, play with the boys. And, uh, and um, yeah, you, you know, the, the, that made the journey go go quicker. I, I don't know what people do on coaches these days, but... You know, uh, yeah. You know, we we used to play cards. So who was the like who was that. the best card player? Who was the one you wanted to to avoid well, playing against? Well, well, the game we played was a game called Bury, which probably no, the listeners probably haven't heard of. But the shrewd Rosie was shrewd. I sort of did all right, uh, did all right there, and uh, and Sykes, Sykes he liked the game. Webby Webby joined in a little bit, and uh, yeah, we had a de- decent little, decent little gang, gang, gang of us. And um, but it just, you know, I, I learned that's what I said about learning from players. For Frank Regan, a lot of managers used to sit down the front of the coach, but Frank Regan used to sit at the back of the coach with the, when, when when they had tables, which was basically every week. And I'm sure he said to me one of the reasons he did that because I sort of asked the question was. Oh, so it was Chris Smith that told me. So he he sat at the back because it then stopped any clicks happening in the in the thing. So you know players can be like having a little bitch about this that, and the other, and he could see the hot more or less the whole coach from there. And then if anyone was on the back seat, they weren't going to start giving him any stick or players because no, he'd probably be able to hear him. So I thought that was a good idea. And, and not being funny, I don't think I could have sat on four hours sat on my own at the front of the coach. Um, so chatting to the chairman Nigel Hughes, who was who was who was a real help for me, um, especially when Tim left. Uh, you know, um, I, I couldn't have sat down at the coach twiddling my thumbs for four and a half hours. That's for sure. But, uh, you would have made those trips up to to Workington a bit more oh, unbearable, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I, yeah, and I quite enjoyed that one because of the scenery around the Lake <laughs> Lake Districts and everything. Because there's a bit of snow, you know. I think we used to play him late on in the season. We always stayed over at Workington. And um, I used to get on well with the manager, Darren Edmondson. And uh, the last year we played them, we hadn't won up there all the years. Was it three or four years we'd been up there? But I let the lads have a drink. Bear in mind, it was our only, they could have one or two drinks, um, pints, uh, you know, just to sort of calm mm-hmm. themselves and, you know, just, just treat them like adults and they behave like adults. But the last year, I said, right, you've been pretty awful the last two years in there I know you haven't been going out or anything like that just had a, a drink at a bar but you're not having a drink this year I said we're coming up here to get a result um, so they basically weren't allowed a drink um, and obviously I was down in the bar and what have you monitoring that and uh, lo and behold the next day we scored uh, uh, Steve Davis got brought down in the last minute and uh, Danny Andrews scored a last minute penalty and we won 1-0 would that have happened if they had a couple of beers? I don't know. <laughs> well, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, a bit of, you know, that, that's where you learn in management all the time. And, and bear in mind, that was our own, the only overnight stops we had were Workington and Blythe Spartans. Yeah. And, and uh, Blythe Spartans, we only did one year on the Friday. We used to stay up and go out in Newcastle every year after the game. And we used to win every game up there. So, that was always a good night. Um and the the, the nights bef- the the, uh, the the night before we we, um, we only did once because Blythe Spartans came down to us the following year 
beat us 4-0 travelling down on the day. So Nigel, I remember Nigel Hughes saying, well, they've travelled down on the day, we could do that. And that's what basically we did the next couple of years. So so that was like a that was like a half five start from Bristol for the Bristol lads to get up to Cheltenham to, to meet the other players. And so, yeah. and when you were obviously in the the north, that's sort of when I um, got involved. Firstly, doing the the Tigers radio, and then it came into to, to Seven Sport. And there was one thing I wanted to almost thank you for, really, and it was the first day. Where I interviewed you after the seven-two win against Truro in the FA Cup, yep. and I said the words to you: "You had a lot of luck over the top." Now the look you gave me when I said the phrase "over the top," and you said "in behind," and it was, it was a, it it sort of taught me, you know, with what I'm saying, think about what I'm saying, but. There was also that, and then the moment as well that, that stood out for me with yourself was we obviously used to interview you every week, and then there was uh, one week you walked in, no smile, usually it was a, a smile, and oh, you're right, guys, how are you? You'd won the game as well, and you said, I need to have a word with you guys, and we're like, oh no, what's happened here? And you, uh, you may remember it, you gave us a bit of a, a, a roasting. Because we hadn't told you that your shirt collar was sticking out of your blazer the week before. And you were talking about your street credit. How important was your street credit to you when you were at Gloucester City? Not that important, but I I always... This goes back to the... Before I became a manager, and I think if you look at the premiership, it's changed a little bit with how they dress these days. But a lot of managers, let's talk five, five, six years ago, they used to wear sh- shirt and ties. And I think it, it sort of it's, it sort of shows that you're ready for business and you're the manager of the club. So I thought it was important to always wear have a shirt, have a shirt and tie on. And when I first started, I said to Tim, I think I'll wear a shirt and tie on the sideline. He went, hey, don't, don't worry about that, Boris. He went, he said that's a, maybe a bit over the top at the Southern League level. <laughs> Um, so, so I, what I did because we, we used to we used to turn up in home games because I always think it's important. To, I think it's a little bit different now. It's tracksuits, but I used to always have a shirt and tie on to do my team talk. So, so that basically, I think you get an impression that you're ready for business type of thing. We're here to do a job today. Then I would change into the tracksuit, um, and that was the best way of doing it. But then for interviews. After the game, it was always the shirt and tie after the game. So that's how we do it. And I think I always wanted the boys travelling to the game in in their um, shirt and ties for home games because it meant that you know they, they were they were red they were getting changed to put a shirt and tie on ready ready to do a good job. And the, and the behind shout was more of a case of on that day. I don't know if I can remember. They used to have the really big lanky. I can't remember his name. Centre half. He scored a couple of goals against us in games. He was huge. He was, you know, like a basketball player. And um, but obviously having that height, he wasn't the quickest or could move very quickly. So we targeted him, getting in and around him. So we did, um, you know, on second ball. So we didn't kick the ball to him, obviously from any of the goal kicks or free kicks or anything like that and then if we could win that first ball 
then we could get in and around him on the second ball, which we did on on numerous occasions. Um, and yeah, that, that was a that was an FA was that an FA Cup game? Yeah, FA right? Cup yeah. first ever game I saw across City as well. That was well, yeah, I, I think I've seen that. Yeah, so and and, and obviously they were massive games for us, like yeah. the. That, uh, that don't, you know, I remember, I think the first year we got in the FA Cup, we'd be easily 1-0. They're a conference, they're a conference club now, you know, and, um, you know, a big conference club, you know, some, some of the, the teams and, and, and that was, that, that was a good, that was the good, the good thing about those, those, the game. And I think it's one of the reasons why Gloucester are still in the conference now, conference level now is, those two FA Cup win results we had, you know, we that year we made about ninety grand. Those two years we got in the first round, I reckon we made about ninety grand, something like that. Because it was all new time. to new to me. Um, obviously, covering Gloucester, you know, I was used to you know coming to Wadham Road and there'd be a couple of hundred, you know, three hundred on a on a good day, maybe a few more. And then the the Chippenham game was was one that I would always look back fondly on. For for the commentary on the the last goal and obviously last minute winners are always, you know, so exciting. It was only when obviously the Leighton Orient games happened, um, and then obviously the, the year after the, the Fleetwood game as well. You know, people did come out in numbers to to support the the team. And you mentioned earlier on that, you know, if those games were were in Gloucester, then you know the attendance is. He's going to be through the roof, but yeah, definitely. Know, at yeah. the time, how big did those games feel for you? Well, they, I, I, I generally because I knew it was massive for the for, for the club. Like, I knew it was massive for the club because one, I wanted to do it as for a personal thing because Gloucester had done it for twenty six years or whatever it was, and it was big, and every year it was always something, and then you know it was you know you lose into Chalford St Peters and. You know, and Shortwood. You know, and Chelmsford on that cold Tuesday night. Yeah, year before, the Ch- Chelmsford. And I thought we were there, and then Lowestoft. We didn't play particularly well. We won the up with thirty seconds to go. Same as Chelmsford. You just thought it was never going to happen. But it was also because the club. You know, we didn't make a mar- We didn't make a profit from a Mars bar. We sold at Cheltenham, so we had we, we had no income, and and so the. the I don't know the actual figure, but I think it was over the two years with TV rights for for highlights with, you know, Colin um, Peake sorted out and everything. We made about 90 or grand, something like that, just under that, the the figure. So I knew it was massive. So I didn't actually enjoy it, It, um, especially the third and fourth rounds, because I knew how big it was to get that money in and and then to, and then to get the games. And um, so, yeah, just, I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy it, but fairly a great sense of achievement. And I think I'm right in saying I don't think they've got in the first round since. So, you know, well done to all the players um, that, that, that obviously got us there. And then, obviously, from from there, um, it, you ended up leaving the club. Um, you know, a couple of years later, and obviously Rosie uh, alluded to it in in his interview as well. You know, it, it felt like it came out of the blue because you weren't playing games due to the weather. Um, I mean, obviously, you, I appreciate you won't be able to go into too much detail in in regards to to how you found out, but how big of a shock was it for, for you to eventually leave Gloucester City? Yeah, I, I didn't see it coming. Um, although, although you look back and you sort of see a couple of things, but, but Rosie was more or less spot on. It, it was... We had. I brought him in 
because we needed to have a change. And it, it was there was nothing against Adiaris or or, or or Muzzy. Just wanted to shake it up to make it look like we were trying to do something. And you know, for instance, you know, Adi was going to go and watch a couple of games. Muzzy was going to go and watch a couple of games on maybe on a Saturday. There was one week midweek game I couldn't do, but I could have gone and watched Oxford City because I was going to Milton Keynes for work. I would have gone and watched Oxford City that night because we were playing them later on in the season, and they would have taken the team, which I knew about that was going to happen because I'd been told by work. And um, uh, you know, but the, but the thing was, we had a record, and I think it's still a record now. We had seven weeks on the trot where we didn't play. And then when we came back to play, we played Workington. And there were games going on all the time. We were just in the wrong part of the country, whether it was down in the West Country or up north, every week. And we had seven on the trot cancelled, which was a conference record at the time, probably still is. And um, when I left, we had 14 games left, and only two of them were against the teams vying for the playoffs or in the playoffs at the time. So we were playing all the teams around us. And we'd only gone down to that because of the situation of the games yeah. being cancelled. And we played Workington on the Tuesday. We lost 3-1. It was 1-0 with about 20 minutes to go. And their current record was 1-9 and drawn 2. So they were on fire. And we gave them a good game. And then in the last game, and they probably thought, powers of B, they probably thought, we're going to lose this one. We'll get rid of him after. We drew with North Therapy, who were top of the table. And I had Liam Watson, who was the Southport manager, and then gone to Telford. He was vying for him for the, for the win. And I used to speak to him all the time. And he gave me the info I needed to know what I, you know, he was helping me out. And he was desperate because he knew that we'd try and do him a favour because he liked, liked Gloucester. And we ended up drawing that game one, one all. They scored late on, uh, or 15 minutes to go from a free kick um, to get an equaliser. So, you know, the team was still there with us. And um, uh, and then after the game, and Paul, Paul, you know, Mike, Mike Dunstan, yeah. I got really, on really well with, he said, oh, can we have a quick word? I thought, oh, OK, yeah, I didn't think nothing of it. I went for the reception and I went up a very narrow stairway, which was behind where you got your complimentary tickets. And I nearly said to him, as we were going up the steps, and I was in front of him, I said, well, what am I coming up here for? You're not going to sack me. And I didn't. And I didn't say that. And I got to the top. Stuart Pike was in there. And he did look pretty disappointed. Uh, and he said, look, mate, he said, we're going to have to let you go or a word to that effect. And he, found that he did have a bit of a tear. And um, he didn't really know what to say. And I, and I said, well, look, what, well, look. I said, OK, what are we going to, what are we going to do now? Um, and he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, I think I should go and speak to the players. So I went out into the car park and I phoned my wife and I told her. And once I could get a word in her ways, I told her anyway, because she was going on about <laughs> what we were going to do that night. And she said, oh, I don't want it. And, I, and, and I, could, I, 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 I can remember this quite clearly. I was in, if you, remember, if you know where the tunnel was, uh, the, the, cha- the players' entrance, yeah. I went right over the opposite side where there's a fence. Uh, there's car park space and obviously then there's a fence and I was right over there with no one obviously knowing what had happened because I told Mike not to say anything and uh, and I just said look Lou I said I'm absolutely knackered I said it's not it's not the worst thing in the world and the only disappointing thing for me was that day my younger my eldest Ollie had gone on trial uh, he'd been at Tottenham for two weeks and they were playing Arsenal that day and I, I worked it out. I could have walked, gone up to London, watched the first half of the game, then driven back 
um, to, so obviously to support him, and then and then obviously done the game against North Therapy. But what I didn't want to do was drive stupidly on the motorway, turn up if there was a bit of traffic, so I would have had a little bit of time, turn up in the dressing room, plonk the bag down, read the team out, with them probably knowing what I was doing. I just didn't think that was right. So I didn't go, which I sort of obviously regret now because I didn't support him, uh, support him that day. Um, so, so that sort of annoyed me a little bit um, straight after. And then, um, and that, and, and because Ollie was up at up at Spurs, I had to, um, I had to get a, the only time I did it, I, I had to get a lift off one of the players because my wife had my better car, my company car, which she could drive. And I obviously going to London, and uh, I got a lift with Jack Harris, and there was a couple of other. Oh, uh, Nate, what's his name? The one that plays Chippenham, Nat Jarvis, who yeah. had only been with us. For about a month, he was in the car. I'd only just brought him in, and um, and obviously he's gone on to have a decent career for Chippenham. And uh, I had to get a lift back with him. And I said to Jack, "I'm not going to be going in the car with you anymore. I'm not going to get a lift with you anymore with this." But basically, but basically, we 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 got the players in, and uh, and I basically told them what happened, and and I said, "Look, I said, I ain't one of those invested managers." I said, "You've obviously seen what's happened with the weather the last few weeks." I don't want to be part of a of a, of a relegation, a, a team that got relegated, because it'll all be my fault. I said, you just make sure you stay up this season. That's all I want you to do. What was the reaction of the the players when you told them and, and the staff? Well, you know, you know, obviously got on well with them, so they they were all a little all a little bit gutted and and, and everything. And it, it is what it is. It, it happens, but I, I thought I think I fronted it up correctly and. You know, instead of having 101 conversations over the weekend and the following week. And I think I said the right thing. I said, just make sure you stay up because I don't want to be part of a, a team that got uh, that got relegated. Even now, I, I, when Mike Cook took over, I bumped. I didn't know Mike. And I, I, I bumped into him because um, he obviously with his FA work with my youngest son, who was, who was at Bristol Rovers. And, um, and I said, well, Good, good luck for the rest of the season. Make sure you stay out. He said, "What you want to stay up?" I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "I don't, I don't want to go around to people saying, you know, they ask what I did and say that, you know, I'm always a manager of a conference club. You know, I want Gloucester to do, I want Gloucester to do well, like you know. So, you know, I said, "Oh yeah, I'm, I was manager of a, of a comp- conference level football club." And uh, you know, people then know, have a look, and they see that they're still there, and, and hopefully, know that I played a part in their history. And then a couple of years, uh, well, I don't think it was a couple of years, it was not too short term after that, you ended up taking the, the reins at, at Mangotsfield. Um, what what was the, the job like there and, you know, how did you uh, adapt to that job? Well, basically, um, I sort of wanted to have time out and I did that. And then uh, Rich Thompson, was who I, who I knew from yesterday year, was manager there. And it was suggested to him that maybe he got he got someone like me in, see if I'd be interested, just to help him out and you know maybe do the training, the training and all that. And that worked okay. That worked okay, and uh, it was all right the, the, the first year. We sort of flattered to deceive a little bit. Probably should have done a bit better than we did. But then I sort of and I I, I got an itch to maybe wanted to to be a manager. I didn't want to be an assistant that was maybe you know not wanting the team to do well, 
to then maybe get in a, get in a chance. And I just and I and I always said to myself, if that if that happens, I'll sort of call it a day. So I phoned Tomo. We had a disagreement about something at Slimbridge, and I just thought I just need to to get out. I said, and I said, look, I said it's not about yesterday, although that is part of it. But um, I, I I do I I'm getting an itch to maybe want to get back into it. So I think the best thing is is if I go. And he sort of agreed agreed with that, and um, and said okay. And and I was doing a lot of the training and the, and the coaching, and um, I, I sort of wanted to take a back back step on that and be and manage it basically. And so I left, and then and then they and then I think they played Evesham on the Tuesday night. It was either the the, the, the following Tuesday or the week after. And he basically resigned after the game. They got beat 4-1 and um, and he resigned. So I then put him for the job, got it. um, And I didn't see that as a problem because I had left the club and done it the right way. Um, And the follow, I think I took over in November. That year was to build a team because we weren't going to get in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. was to build a team for the following year. And um, we did all right. We were fifth in the table. We were probably overachieving because there were some decent clubs in there. Yeah, definitely. But then they they, they basically, uh, and again, it was against Evesham. We got, Adam Mann was playing for him, another player who'd who done well for Gloucester. Um, uh, we got beat 5-1, I think it was, at home. And they had a chat with me after. Uh, not, not that the, there was any problems about getting rid of me or anything, but they had to cut the budget quite drastically. Um, bearing in mind, we were fifth in the table. And um, I probably should have gone there and then, I, but sort of your killer instinct takes over because we still had a chance of getting in the playoffs. Yeah. But in hindsight, that ruined it. A couple of players weren't happy with this, that, and the other, and it, you know, we still did all right. And it was only because right at the end end of the season, if we'd won the last game instead of drawing it, we would have been six just missed out on the playoffs and uh, we came eighth because we drew the game because I gave a couple of young lads a chance because I wanted to see what they were like at the end of the season I regret that now because they bloody went in the summer um, <laughs> uh, and um, but I wanted to give those lads the opportunity and um, so I didn't go we, we came at, we, we came eighth which was an improvement and uh, the following season a lot of players left a lot of players because um, they had done well you know, teams like Bitten, who were in a league below, were offering them a lot, lot more money, and other teams were offering them a lot, lot money that we basically didn't have. And um, the team, the the, uh, the team, the, the season came out, and we had first game of the season. We had Salisbury, who were the favourites. Second game of the season on the Tuesday was um, Taunton, uh, who were the second favourites, and lo and behold, we lost both. Uh, the second game to Taunton uh, narrowly to two one, and um, they both got promoted that season. By the way, but in between that, the second Saturday we played uh, Odd Down in the FA Cup. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We played we played um, Salisbury, then Taunton, then on the Saturday we played Odd Down, and we lost to them in the FA Cup, which was a bad result. And I basically thought that's it. I've had enough, and um, that was going to cause an issue. Because of the bud, because of the money, yeah. Uh, at some stage in the season, I just said, "I've, I've had enough. I'm, I'm, I'm packing it in," and uh, and that was it. And I just and, that, and these days, I'm 
I'm quite happy. Just I've not got no real. I've, I've I've started to have a little bit of an itch to maybe get back in if the right job came up. But I just don't think any of the local clubs are that ambitious to want to go up. To be perfectly honest, I was going to sort of ask that question because you know because of of the the success you had at Gloucester City and the fact that you know you are based in these parts, it does seem that you know when a job comes up that. You know, people do throw your name out there as, you know, potentially, oh, well, maybe maybe Boris would be interested. I can remember in particular um, when when Charlie Griffin left Sirencester this season, there were a couple of members, oh, maybe maybe Boris might fancy that one or, or what have you. But, you know, what sort of level would you want to come back at or is it not a case of a level per se, more about how the club's running? The, the the one the one the, the one thing to say the one thing I'm proud the proud of is, is that uh, I've basically been a manager nine years, and the history will say that every season, whether it's Gloucester or Mangersfield, the team came higher every season. So you know, if we were 18th one year, which was an achievement with the budget we had, um, we came 14th the next season. Getting to I think we were 12th was our best with me. Yeah. But we lost the last four or five games because we had. I can remember the Colwood, one of the Rosie's last game, the Colwood Bay game. I had, a, I had about eight players in the stand, like Webby. I think Webby, Coopy, Darren Edwards, Oggy. You know, I was on the bench. And I actually came on in that game. I can remember. I think the bench was you. Uh, Muzzy was on the bench as well. I think. I think yeah, he actually may have yeah. had to come on early because if I remember rightly, you had an injury in the first twenty minutes or so. So he had to come uh, on early on. So. It was a, yeah, a, a makeshift right. squad. Well, yeah, well, well, well that, that, that's the one thing I'm really proud of. Every season I've improved the, the, the team. So nine years on the trot, I got better. And even that last season, we would have been, t- we would have been, we, we definitely would have gone down. And like I, like I said earlier, like you know, we were playing twelve of the fourteen games were against teams from mid mid table below. Like we had Oxford home and away, and you know, so we we, we would we would have been all right definitely with the players that we had. Um, and so, so that was always something I'm proud of. But I've, I've not put in for, for one, for one job and I've not had one call, which I wouldn't have taken anyway, but it, it'd be nice to have had a call. Would I be interested? But no one's ever done that. But it's interesting when jobs come up, a few of my mates do phone up or are you going for it? Like, so they do ask the question, um, am I, am I, am I going for it? But I, did me. I would, I would go. I, I might go for it, but I think there's going to be a lot of changes with this COVID nineteen and, and, and budgets and things like that at lower level football. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. That's for sure. You mentioned about sort of the fact that you know teams like Bitten when you were at Mangersfield, who were the step below, had uh, a bigger budget. You know, would that potentially open you up for? You know, considering maybe a Hellenic job or or a Western League job, or would you? Probably not. No, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to do it at Southern League level. level you, you know, because I think the players at that level, there are some good players. Like you know, Matty Groves is is a bit, and Scott Bryce, the captain. You know, there's some decent players that play in there, and there's some decent youngsters as well uh, at, at, the, at these clubs. Um, Josh Egan's another one who's been doing well and bit and are obviously in the Vars semi-final um, so you know they, they've still got that to, to come when, when, when it, all this Covid gets sorted out but uh, possibly not because maybe I don't know the players at that level 
and and I think they've got other interests outside the game, and that's why they play at that level. Um, so I, I think I'd like to do it. Have to be su- Southern Prem or Southern League at, at least, but nothing, nothing's come up. And then and then they've got to want to do, they've got to want to be pushing for, pushing for promotion because I'm, I'm not doing it just to take over a club. Um, they've got to want to have a go as well because that that was one thing with Gloucester. We were always just playing to for survival, um, and that was down to the to the budget I had. I've heard it's a lot better now, but uh, that's another story. We'd like to. And the last question, really, I just wanted to to sort of round it round it off nicely. Obviously, from your time at, at Bristol Rovers all the way through to to obviously being at Gloucester and, and onto Mangersfield. You know, how would you want people to to remember you from a from a playing standpoint, uh, and also a managerial one? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, from a from a, I wasn't a fantastic player, but I knew my job in a team and I could score goals. So, just someone that would, you know, as a player, someone who would have a go. You know, keep keep going. Maybe not the greatest player, but. You know, do his job for a team because that's what it's all about—a team ethic—and that's what I always tried to foster. So, you know, and, and that I was always approachable off the pitch as uh, on uh, when I was a player, and I think I was. Um, and then as a, as a manager, same thing: approachable, um, honest um, to a certain point. Obviously, there's some things you have to keep off from, from players, but. You know, generally give them an honest, always give them an honest answer, whether they like it or not. Um, what, what you're saying, and um, a team, and, and that will put a, a Gloucester team together that, in history, has gone down as one of the the, be- the best. You know, um, you know, and with some pretty decent players within that, and and it, and again, approachable after after a game. To have a chat, win, lose, or draw, because you know, once 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 the game's ended, you've got to try and switch off and um, and you know and crack on with life right now. You mentioned players, and we're going to throw one additional question in there. You mentioned players, and I know that you you still speak to to a lot of your your ex players. If you could pick from your time at Gloucester, you know, one player who you know, not to say they were genuinely the best. But the one player that that you felt was, the, you know, a standout player, if you can pick, narrow it down to one or a couple. Oh, I, I don't like to leave questions unanswered. Every player that played for, for, did did a, did a job, and you know, you go to the high-profile players like your Rosies and Webbies and Coopies, and Lewis Hogs, the Darren Edwards of this world. Because I, I don't think the club. Would have done as well without like those three coming in from Bath, Darren, Oggy, and Coopy. I think that was the right result that Bath City got promoted to the conference um, a few years ago under AD Britain um, because they were massive towards the squad. The squad, the two players I had were good enough, but we needed some extra quality, which those three gave us all down the middle of the pitch, um, especially Oggy, uh, Lewis Hogg. Um, but then, you know, you had players like Sam Rawlins. Who, who wasn't on a fantastic load of money. He, he got released from Cheltenham and wanted to be at the club. Um, and every time he came in, he'd never let us down. He'd never let the team down. I remember I dropped my green once, the right back, 
Sam played the next three games on merit and we won all three games and he, he played a big part of it but he was inconsistent so after the four or five games he had to drop out and then you have a better Mike Green you know, player yeah, Mike might have even gone to left back to be perfectly honest uh, I can't remember because he filled but um, one player I, I can't there was, there's so many players done really well. I, I, I'll pick one goal that I always, the one goal that always, that always stood out, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a really big goal, but I think it typified Gloucester for me. Was when we played Yate Town in the FA Cup, we um, we drew luckily at their place two all. Darren Edwards came on and scored a penalty in the last minute. Um, to all and then we went to a replay and we beat him 7-0 Joe Parker scored a hat-trick in the first half and ended up getting player of the round but the last goal of that day and that might indicate who players players wise um, Webby scored a goal on the break um, from a corner and ended up rounding the goalie and sticking it in with 40 of his lads lost to school lads watching the game can you remember that one? Yeah I was there yeah, and and it you know it wasn't a big goal because if he missed it, it hadn't really have mattered. But that just sort of there was a spirit within Gloucester and and maybe those forty lads they'll all be at the 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 new homecoming for Gloucester when they go to Meadow Park. Is it next season or the season after? I'm not sure when. But um, you know it just typified what a great club Gloucester was, and there was a bit of youth there, you know, to to take the club going forward and and Webby. He is the longest-serving player and the most appearances, that type of thing, and it just rounded off a fantastic night. And it was a, it was a huge game for the club because it was it was the FA Cup, and that that goal always sticks out in my mind for some reason. Um, and is that a good answer or? Yeah, perfect. Oh, that is, mate. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully those 40, 50 kids who came from his school who were all behind the goal when he scored it will. You know, half of them will be watching Gloucester in, in five, ten years' time. For the best sports coverage in the West, visit sevensport.co.uk.